0: There we go. All right. Good morning, Harvest. Uh, listen, I, I don't want to uh, presume on, on, on the Lord. And if it had been pouring rain this morning, God is still good. Amen. God would still be good. And, and, and I don't want to presume on anything, but I do also think it's right and good with a childlike faith to say, wow, thank you, Lord, that the 90% chance of rain predicted this week that it's not raining now. So I just want to give God a bit of praise for something as simple but very cool as that, right? Watch. go ahead and grab your Bibles. Go to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 12 is where we're going to be this morning. <clears throat> As you're turning there, just a, a quick announcement for us as a church for you to be uh, praying about. Um, we are right now uh, in the process of um, looking for a couple of uh, positions on our team, one of them being another uh, lead pastor for um, our Bracebridge location, and, and we're also looking <clears throat> for another worship leader because we have three um, three churches with only two worship leaders right now, and so we're looking for that, so we're praying about that. That uh, job description goes out online uh, tomorrow tomorrow as we prayerfully see what God has for us there. And so be, uh, be lifting that up as you're thinking about our church and what God has for us as, uh, as this one God, one church, one mission, but in three locations. And uh, super thankful for what God's doing. <clears throat> okay, your Bible's in Romans chapter 12. We're going to be in verses, three, sorry, verses 9 to 12 this morning. And as we pick it up, what we're seeing as we're unpacking this series called The Normal Christian, we're looking at, hey, what does a normal Christian look like? Like, 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 sometimes I think we, we, we have to say normal Christian because we lose the fact that, wait a minute, what are we actually called to? Why are we not living that way? It's just, it, it's the way we're called to live. Another way is that this is not, uh, um, it's not like you're going to look at some of this stuff and go, wow, I never would have thought of that. Like, no, this is just normal Christianity, and we're jumping into Romans 12. And as we pick it up here, Paul's writing to a church and a culture that is so much like ours. In in Rome, just like our time, uh, there was growing tension in in that culture. It was a a divided culture. And and so in that division, in that tension, how did the church respond? Well, church history would tell us this, that the the early church held up the Word of God as their guide. They didn't follow what culture dictated. They followed the Word of God, and they lived out this active love, a a love that poured out of their, their overwhelming response to the grace of God. And because of that, the early church in in, in Rome stood out as the one place where there wasn't a divide in culture, where where the slave and the free, where the the rich and the poor worshiped together, where Jews and Gentiles loved each other like brothers and sisters. I mean, the church was so different in the way that they lived and and loved each other that that the Roman culture, even though they hated the church, eventually would would bring on widespread persecution. They, They looked in on the action of the church and they were astonished by their love it was jesus who said in john 13 35 the single most defining characteristic of his church should be love the apostle john said it this way that that you'll actually know if you're a christ follower by your love he's saying this is what a normal christian does if if you're not having this kind of love you you may not know jesus and I would say it this way, the number one apologetic, the, the number one way that, that we have as a defense of our faith, more than the historicity of it, more, more than the, the theological sureness of it, more than the, than the philosophical clarity of it, the number one reason people will look in on you, look in on a church and say, you look and you live like Jesus is your love for each other. At the end of the day, what convinces the world of the truth of the gospel is how you love each other. And I, I think if we're really doing this, if we're going to live out, we're going to talk about this morning from Romans 12, I think our mission to the world gets a whole lot easier. We wouldn't need great music and, and, and a special service to attract people to our church. If we live out the way that, that we're called to in Romans 12, people be beating down the doors to get into church. But what's it look like then? What's it look like to, to love like this? Where, where does this love come from? This morning, I want us to see from these verses here four normal ways for normal Christians to actively live out love. So, th- this is us being a normal biblical church. And, and Paul's about to lay out a ton of imperatives, a ton of commands. And and it can be overwhelming as I go through these verses because he just goes like shotgun style, do this, do this, be like this, be like this. And and it can be overwhelming. So I want to encourage you that, that over this next week, linger over these verses on your own. Pray through them. I ask God's spirit to grow this kind of love in you and in us as a church. Sunday morning can feel a bit like a a tour of the Word by flying over to plane. And so I want to say this, during the week, take the same text we just unpacked this morning and and get on the ground with it and and savor God's Word and see what He has to say to you. Pray over it. Pray over the commands about to read. Pray, Pray, God, make this true in my life. God, grow our church like this, with this kind of love so that people would see your love. Desperate prayers, hopeful prayers. Pray knowing that as a, as a Christ follower that Jesus just hasn't forgiven your past and hasn't just secured your future, but he's also given you his Holy Spirit to change you today so that the, the commands you read here, you're like, man, the Spirit can do that. So look down at verse nine. It says this. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Let me pray first before we jump into this this morning. Heavenly Father, there's so much here to unpack yet I pray that even as we read this, as we study this, as we, as we look to live this out, Lord God, that, that you would empower us to live it out by the grace that we've received, and that we live it out for your glory. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's, here's the first normal way we're to live out our Christianity, and it's this, that our love is genuine. Our love is genuine. Verse 9 starts right away and say, let your love be genuine. Now, if you were to break down this passage grammatically, that first statement, let your love be genuine, would be like the main subject and everything else flows out of that. All the action that we're about to read flows out of this, this idea of if you have a genuine love, this is what it will look like. It won't be fake. It won't be superficial. It, it will be deep. It will be authentic. It will be real. It'll, it will be powerful. It will be a commitment kind of love. Peter in 1 Peter 1.22 says it this way. He says, have a love from a pure heart and do it earnestly. So it's a, a genuine pure heart that we have this love and an earnestness. Uh, uh, this, the word there, earnestly, means to stretch yourself in this love. Go beyond the human ability, the human limits in how you show love. In fact, the word Paul chooses there when he says love Genuinely, it's, it's this word agape love, a, a, a supernatural kind of love. It's, it's this love that we would have for each other that's not based on what someone does for us to earn their love. But it's a love of choice. It's, it's reflecting God's love for us, his agape love for us. A, a love that in spite of your sin, God said, I choose to pour my love out on you. That's the kind of love we have from the Lord that we're to bend out towards each other. So that kind of genuine love means that I, I don't love people based on what I can get from them. I don't love people based on how lovable they are, but a call called to, to this action of love, this love that I'm going to choose to love. Another way of translating this verse, instead of, instead of love genuinely, it could be love without hypocrisy. Love without pretending. Love without pretending to look a certain way, but it's really not who you are. How often we talk about this, where church can be so filled with people wearing these masks, pretending that my life is all great when it's really not. That's hypocrisy. God's word says that the church can't afford to play that mask-wearing, fake, hypocrisy way of life. We can't do it. We can't afford to do it. So then the question is, well then, how do I live out this love without that kind of hypocrisy? Well, last week we, we talked about how you start. I mean, in, in verse 3, we talked, talked about how Paul says you, you, you're humble about it. You're not something that you're not. And, and with that humility, that humility that begins in the gospel means this, to love in that way, I start with me. I don't start with your sin, I start with my own sin. I I don't try to hide my weaknesses to look better. I, I don't need to knock somebody else down to lift myself up. And we start in the gospel in this. I start with this understanding of my own heart. And when I start there and I recognize the grace poured out on me to see the agape love of God, to see I was not lovable, and I don't just mean years ago when, 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 when Jesus got a hold of my heart and I I've started following Jesus. I mean like yesterday I was not lovable. Sin and brokenness and selfishness, I see the disruption it causes in my own house just like it causes it in your house. And yet God still reaches out with the hope of the gospel. I don't get it It, it's it's mind-blowing it's it's unbelievable and and the closer we get to that grace the the more we savor that and treasure that grace it changes how we love each other why because you're you're now rooted in the tenderness of God towards you so you'll be tender with other people begin to love people in spite of their flaws you can recognize somebody who's overwhelmed by this kind of grace. You, you can see it in them. They're the people that they don't need a warm-up song to worship. They're like here and ready to go, like, are you kidding me? I'm worshiping." They're the people that talk so freely about Jesus. They're the people that rarely gossip. They have no dirt on anybody. They forgive easily they. They they look for ways to serve. They they look for ways in your life to point you more and more to the grace of God as opposed to condemnation. There's this tenderness. There's this compassion that is genuine love. It, It flows out of a normal Christian overwhelmed by God's agape love. So then, so then what do you do then, if you, if you come face to face with the fact, you're like, "Wait, I don't have that kind of love. I've got hypocrisy in my heart. I don't want to love somebody that way." Here's we come back to the fact that agape love is not a feeling word, it's an action word. It's an action that's based on the gospel. So you begin seeking forgiveness for your own heart, for that hypocrisy that's been revealed. God, thanks for showing it. You, you seek forgiveness for the masks you're wearing, for the sin that you're harboring. And you're asking God, God, change my heart. And you, you press more and more, deeper and deeper into the mercies of God for you. And together we begin to celebrate that grace. I mean, let's be this kind of church where, where people know that it's it's okay to come in here busted up, struggling, and we're we're gonna come alongside each other and we're gonna call each other to something better. So while it's based on grace, don't, don't hear me say this, genuine love, it, it's it's not a wimpy love. In fact, the weakest kind of love is a love that sees a brother or sister caught in sin and you do nothing about it we want to call each other to the to the something better in fact look at look at verse 9 it goes on it says abhor what's evil hate it hold fast to cling to what's good so if if the first action of normal love is that our love is genuine here's the second one our love is grounded in the word our love is grounded in the word It is not this flaky, fluffy, Hallmark movie kind of sappy love. It it is real, it is genuine, it's based on God's word. And so what this verse says, that kind of love, then it hates what's evil. It clings to what's good. So when you see a brother or sister in Christ and they're struggling in sin, they're walking and living in sin, they're, they're walking in what scriptures would say, that's wicked, and we say nothing to them. You don't confront them. You don't don't chat over a cup of coffee. You don't call them up and with this this genuine love and grace and humility, call them to something better. It's not genuine. It's not genuine to see the sin and just let it go and just hope things work out for them Or, or worse, gossip about their sin but not talk to them about it. Fake church love. Gossip looks like this, all right? hey, bro, we need to pray for Jimmy. He's really struggling. That's not genuine love. If we hate what's evil and cling to what's good, there's gonna be a different action to our love. I was thinking of it this way. Years ago when I ran a one-year wilderness discipleship school, we had these um, guys' events. They, they were somewhat outrageous because it was a group of you know, 18 to 19-year-old guys, and so, so every event would be filled with um, a lot of laughing and a healthy amount of violence because 18 to 19-year-old guys like that, Right? And then we did things like bike jousting. So you can picture, right? Just big long poles on bikes coming at each other to hit each other. Guys, like, this is awesome. Hurt me again, right? They just love that. And and during one such event, though, and it was actually the year after I had resigned and I'd started this and, and started to plant the church. So, um, It was good because I wasn't liable for this one. I was just a participant, and it's so good. Long story short, here's what goes on. Without getting any details, a student ends up being splashed with gasoline as he's standing in a grass fire. So you can picture what it is. Quickly, the dude's fully ablaze. Now, thankfully, there was another student, quick-thinking student beside him. What's he do? He tackles this guy into a ditch ravine filled with water. It was not pretty. I mean, that ditch, it hit hard. The guy lands hard. But listen, that was the most loving thing to do. Okay, more loving would have been, hey, maybe we shouldn't be standing in fire with gasoline. I know. I get that. All right? But this guy tackles him, saves him from a lot of serious burns. So here's what I'm saying. When you see your brother and sister, and they're on fire from sin, we don't say, oh, I don't want to hurt their feelings. I'll just wait till the fire burns itself completely out. Then I'll give them a hug. Sounds crazy, but don't we do this all the time? Paul says, abhor what's evil. Our, our love should be genuine enough that we would, we would take those we know who are on fire, walking and sin, getting very close to it, and we, over coffee we'd say, I love you, but I'm worried for you. You know what God's word says. Let's, let's walk this out together. Listen, Jesus loved you enough to risk his life to tell you the truth. Let's love like that hate sin. Let's hold fast to what's good. Let's, let's glue ourselves to what's good. Let's, let's hold on to what's good like you'd hold on to a rope as you're hanging off of a cliff. You see this kind of worked out in verses 11 to 12. Look, look, at it, look at what it looks like to cling to what's good. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. I love that, don't be slothful, have a zeal, have a passion, have an action to your love. Don't, don't hesitate with it, don't be half-hearted with it, but, but be fervent, fervent in the spirit. A heart so filled with the gospel, so so lit up by God's agape love that, that it just pours out of us. That's fervent in spirit. So even when you come alongside to confront a brother or sister in sin, listen, it's out of love. Because Look at verse 12, we rejoice in hope. That word there, rejoicing, it's it's a huge word. It means exuberantly. It means super cheerfully. It's over-the-top joy for the grace we have, the hope we have in Christ. We're rejoicing in that hope. So you come alongside somebody. And you come alongside them with what? Not with condemnation. You come alongside them with hope. Expecting God can do the miraculous in this. We expect the best of them. We trust that God's at work and so we don't hold back on our love for each other. When things get hard, what's it say? It says be patient in tribulation. That normal Christian love doesn't stop. Under pressure, whether it's relationship pressure, whether it's, it's just pressure of the world on us, 1 Corinthians thirteen seven says, love bears all things, love believes all things, love hopes all things, love endures all things. That's normal Christian love, constant through the storms of life. Now, if you're like me, you're like, Paul, that's a hard call. How am I supposed to do that? Look at verse 12. Look at, look at the end of verse 12. Be constant in prayer. Desperate dependent on God for this. Constant in prayer for our, for our own hearts. God, God, grow in me a love like this. Constant in prayer for each other to, to grow that love. And, and how, how often, I would say this, how often do you pray for those who are here? How often do you pray for us, the church? God, make us a church like this with genuine love. How do we live this out? We, we cling to what's good. We stay rooted in the word. We, we seek Christ. We're grounded in the hope of the gospel. We're constant in prayer for our own hearts and for each other. All right, quickly, how, how does this look, though? What, give, give some practicals of this. I get my heart action now and, and where I'm supposed to be as I live this out, but what's it practically look like? Look at verse 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. Here's our third point, then. Our, our love is like a family. Our love is like a family. Paul's saying, have have this deep love for each other. A deep love like you love a family. And this is huge, because if you think about what what family represents, and I get it that some people here may have families that are busted up and broken, but think about what what the word family is supposed to mean. Family's tight. Family sacrifices. Family's always family, right? You, You don't bail on family. When my kids do something that's just ridiculous, I don't call them aside and pull them and say, hey, we got to talk. And while I'm talking, I just say, hey, just so you know, security's already been in. They've cleaned out your room. There'll be boxes waiting for you on the porch. It's been good knowing you. Hope you find another family to do life with. No, no, no. No, we're devoted, right? There are parents here, I know. You have prodigal kids, and your eyes fill with tears when you talk about them. They may not love you, but your love for them just won't stop. Family love doesn't stop. It's constant. And that's what, that's what we're called to as a church. See, I think we've lost something in our culture because we've lost what it means to be a family as a church. And church has become an organization. And so, so leaving, it's easy. Abandoning is easy. Man, I no longer like Tim Hortons, so I go to Starbucks. The reality is that church is a family. It's, it's not an event you attend. It's a family you belong to where you say, I'm committed to this. And then, yes, we have disagreements. And yes, just like a family, we're close enough that we see the junk that maybe other people don't see. We see each other's faults better than anyone else. But, but what do we do? We stay together. We say, we say I'm, I'm still going to love you through this. I've said this before, but I, something that's broken my heart in this season, and I'll, I'll be blunt as I say this. How a pandemic... How something like a mask could divide churches so easily breaks my heart. How easy it is just to, to pull away, to say, you know what, I don't want to be part of this family anymore because I don't like the way they're doing things and I, I, I want to do things my, my way or, or things are hard. Or, or, listen, that's the way the world works. And we're called to something so much deeper than that. We're called to be a family fiercely devoted to each other, fiercely loyal to each other, responsible for each other, looking out for each other. Why? Because we're looking out for each other like you're our own family. I mean, think of that would turn a church upside down. If that's the way we thought, instead of, hey, what can this place do for me? My needs, my preferences, my mission. And you roll in and you start thinking, why has God sent me here? Who can I care for? Who can I pray for? Who can I encourage? Who can I build up today? How how can I help somebody in what they're going through? How how can I stir somebody up for the things of the Lord today? I would say this, God has created you as a normal Christian to find your fulfillment in giving yourself away. And that that kind of community will change our church. That kind of community will, will change our lives. That kind of community will reach our world. This leads us to our final point. Our love has action. Our love has action. You, you see this action in a couple places in this, this passage. Verse 10, it says this, that we would outdo each other in showing honor. And there's action in that. I'm, I'm going to compete with you to honor you more than you honor me. Crazy competition, Right? In light of the gospel, you're going to look at the church and you're going to see every member of the church as somebody who Jesus died for. So I'm going to honor you as that. I'm going to treat you in that way. Listen, this is what it would look like. It's that we would treat each other like, like, like we trip over our favorite athlete or, or a YouTube celebrity or musician. That's how we should treat each other. see this in the early church, it was the only place where the poor, the immigrants, the people who who walked a a different rank, a different nationality, a different power status, they were all treated with honor that comes from being a child of God. Now, Paul doesn't make it hard to understand of, of how we can actually live this out practically. How do I do that? Look at verse 13. He says, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Show hospitality. What is that? What does it mean to show hospitality? It means this. It means that that you've been welcomed into God's family, and you're so overwhelmed by that, you want to welcome others in. You see this lived out in in the gospel of Matthew. Matthew gets saved, right? Jesus says to Matthew, this is the sinful prideful, selfish tax collector and Jesus calls him, he experiences the grace and what's Matthew do immediately after experiencing the grace of God? He throws a huge party for all of his sinful, busted up, broken friends. So so he goes from this life marked by greed as a tax collector to a life marked by generosity. And he did not have a a couple people over. It says in the text that that he threw a great feast. His house was full. Drinks were spilled on the carpet. Dishes were chipped. Mud was tracked in. And listen, our homes are not supposed to be these perfect little Pinterest heavens while we wait for the, the real heaven. Our homes are supposed to be places of hospitality to welcome people in, to enjoy Jesus together, to enjoy each other. And why do we do this? We do this because we recognize here we are in this party, invited by Jesus to the party, the party we should have been kept out of. And we're accepted at God's table. John Piper said this. He said, The joy of receiving God's hospitality decays and dies if it doesn't flourish in our hospitality to each other. If we don't live this out horizontally, we start to forget the grace poured out on us. So let's live it out. I'm telling you, the early church shocked their culture with this radical generosity and love. And people are looking in on the church saying, What is up with you guys? I want to be a part of that. You guys are different. So practically, let me lay this out as practically. What what are some things you can do this week because of what God's word says here? Here's a few things you could do. You could do this. You could you could invite people over to your home or 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 out for coffee, right? Depending on where the things are with lockdowns, maybe it's a, hey, come on over onto my porch or out for a, a campfire. I don't know, but but maybe it's you grab somebody. You grab somebody at church and go, let's do lunch after church. I don't know. I don't know you real well. I want to get to know you more. Maybe it's it's grabbing your neighbor and saying, "Hey, this has been such a hard season. Everybody locked down. Man, I, I want to invite you in. I want to I want to pour out some love on you." Maybe it's grabbing a, a fellow student that you've done school with and you've been separated from, you're saying, "Man, we shouldn't be separated anymore. Let's, let's let's go let's grab some time together." So invite people into your life. Here's something else you could, you could do this this week. Put love to action. Call somebody. Text somebody. Reach out to somebody you haven't saw in a long time. It's just like, I just called to say hi. I just called to see how you're doing. It's just action. It's 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 filling a need that you see. That may, maybe it's like, hey, you know what? I'm going to babysit for that, that young mom who looks just wore out. Maybe if you're a, a student or a kid, it's like, you know what? This week, I'm just going to help around the house even more. I'm going to grab that chore that's not even my chore. I'm just going to do it because I want to make sure that there's this love expressed in my own home something else I would call you to do and and, uh, this is more a church thing like a Sunday thing maybe it's this that you that, that you join the welcome team like okay how do I sign up for that ready it's right here you're on the welcome team yeah, do we have people that are help parking and, and people who kind of officially have this job of, hello, like the Walmart greeter, sure. But all of us are on the welcome team. All of us are in this party saying, I can't believe I've been here. I can't believe I'm invited here. And you want to welcome. So if, if you see somebody standing alone, it's, it's not, I wonder whose job it is to go. It's our job. We want to welcome everybody. Because here's what you're doing. You're turning to somebody who you don't know well. And you're like, I was a stranger and God took me in. So I don't want to worship with any other strangers. Your family, I want to know who you are. Here's the fourth practical thing you can do. I would say this, engage with the church. When we start to unroll in, in late August in the fall, I would say join a life group. Serve as a life group leader. J- jump into serve wherever you can because here's what I've been saying over this whole series. We so desperately need each other and the danger is we fall into just going along with what our culture says. This is how you do life and we live these boring, individualized ways of life. We, we hide under our homes. We screen our calls. We're so busy with our lives. We, we don't forgive. We don't engage. We don't serve. We don't sacrifice. We don't link arms and it's crushing us. I heard one pastor do this. They took the verses in Acts that describe the early church, you know those ones? How they were devoted to the Lord and devoted to each other, and they they rewrote them for a church that does not have genuine active love. Listen to Acts 2 from this perspective. The Christians were devoted to themselves and occasionally got to church when they had time. No one was filled with awe because there were no signs and wonders performed by the believers. Very few of the believers were together and they had almost nothing in common because they had no real time for each other. If they sold something, they used the money to buy something better for themselves. They ate on the run, kept to themselves, were too rushed to enjoy one another or give praise to God. They claimed to love God, but they didn't really love each other and they felt very empty and alone. As a result, most people disliked them and very few people were ever saved. It's hard to hear, isn't it? Listen, I, I say this with all the conviction and all the hope and all the joy. We have an opportunity to do something so much better than that, don't we? A, a committed community of people who are doing life together, why? Because we genuinely love each other and we want to celebrate the presence of God. And we know that God is so good, I don't want to celebrate Him alone. I want to be with my family, so I, I want to join arms. I want to join lives. I want to join my voice in worship. I want to I do this because of how great God is. Here's the key, it's, it's going to take work. If we want a church that's cold and closed and gossipy and dysfunctioning and, and mask wearing and individualistic and, and surface only, we really don't have to do anything. That will happen naturally. I pray we don't settle for that though, but, but intentionally, intensely, we pursue the kind of community that Jesus died for. We pursue the kind of loving community that Jesus prayed for. In John 17, 21, where he called out, God, make them one as we are one. I mean, think about that. Jesus, on his way to the cross and and looking towards the cross, looking towards redemption, he could have prayed for so many things, and what was he burdened about? His heart was burdened that we be united in love. Let me say it this way. This is what we're all in for here at Harvest. I just want to be a church with normal Christians. Let's just be normal. Normal Christians love. And and listen, as a church, we certainly haven't been perfect at this. We've, We've dropped the ball on this. We've missed the mark on this. And yet by God's grace, listen, let's not settle for anything less. Let's rejoice in the hope that God has something so much greater for us. Let's lean into this thing because this is what Jesus longs for us as a church. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, there's a, a lot here for us, to, um, for us to wrestle with. Like everything else we've been seeing in this series, it's, it's, it's simple, but it's certainly not easy. God, we need your grace. We need your spirit at work. Lord, for where we have not been like this, God, forgive us, convict us, change us. Father, I pray for your spirit to fall in our hearts and on our families and on this church in in such a unique way that we're so overwhelmed by grace, God, that a genuine love pours out of us for each other, a love that the world looks in and says, man, I want that. I, I haven't seen that anywhere else. God, we know that only you can create this. And so, Lord, where we miss the mark, thank you. Thank you for showing us where we fall short, and thank you that you've given us grace to not stay there. God, I pray this for our own sake as a church. I pray this for our mission to the world. God, I pray it for your glory. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. God bless you guys. Thanks for coming out. Rain Rain stayed off. Super thankful for that. Love you a lot. See you next week in Bracebridge, right? We're switching to Bracebridge again next week. Love you guys. God bless.